Dr. Renee Thompson is the international authority on bullying and incivility in nursing and healthcare. Her Healthy Workforce Institute is making big waves when it comes to creating healthcare workplaces that lend themselves to satisfied employees and excellent outcomes. This is the very first interview on The Nurse Keith Show. Welcome to episode 191. Well, hello and welcome. I am so grateful you're listening, whether it's your first time tuning in or you've been hanging out with me here for months or years. Thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education, inspiration, and ideas that can get you moving in a positive and inspired direction. And you know what? Now, as of episode 191, we are adding incredible value to The Nurse Keith Show. You can get a break from my diatribes and listening to just my voice and hear the voices of some amazing nurses and non-nurses doing incredible work in the world. If you want to see the show notes and read all about Dr. Renee Thompson, head over to nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 191. And before we dig into the meat of the episode, I just have an ask of you. Consider signing up for my newsletter at nursekeith.com, and you can get my bi-weekly message from me to you. And remember to leave a rating and review over on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, because it helps other people find the show. Those are my sincere asks of you today, dear listener. So now let's dig into today's topic, which is an interview with the incredible, amazing Dr. Renee Thompson. Renee, welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. Oh, hi, Keith. Uh, thanks for inviting me on your amazing show. And I'm really excited to dive into this topic of disruptive behaviors with you, who um, not only are you my uh, esteemed colleague, but also have become a really great friend. So thank you for inviting me, Keith. Oh, thank you, Renee. And you're amazing. You're wonderful. And I just want the listeners to know you and I met on Twitter, of all places, like in 2011 or 12. And if for people who think that social media is, um, what should we say, superficial, that Mm -hmm. it's superficial if you use it in a superficial way. So we connected and we've become great friends and great colleagues. We've worked together and done all sorts of fun things together mm-hmm. and we're we're good pals and great things can come as social media depending on how you use it, right? Yeah, you're so right, Keith, because I just remember, you know, watching you on social media and the things you were posting on Twitter um, really spoke to me as a professional nurse. And I think that's how it starts. You know, you you start noticing patterns of what people talk about. And if they resonate with you, then you take it a step further. And obviously, you and I have done that. And that's how it happens. It happens, I think, sometimes uh, both deliberately and organically, if you allow it. That's right. And I always tell my clients and my listeners to do some networking, like find your tribe, you know, and you and I found each other and a lot of other people. And that's why we're Mm -hmm. here today. And, you know, some of my listeners probably know you already from RNFM radio or if they've run into you in other places. But can you give us like a snapshot of your nursing career and where you've been and, you know, where you are now and what, you know, how did you get to where you are at this moment? 
Sure, sure. I'll give you the shortened version. Okay. So I've been a nurse for about 27 years, and I always say I've done everything you can do as a nurse. I mean, from bedside nursing, um, I worked in home care, I worked for a managed care company. Don't judge me for that. I actually learned a lot about the delivery of health care when I worked for a managed care organization. But uh, I've been a nurse educator. You know, I advanced my degrees. I became a, a manager in a very large um, hospital on a very large unit. So I've done some leadership, and then I had an executive role. And you know, throughout my career, this um, two things were happening. Uh, and it's funny when you look back, I can see how it all happened, but in the moment, I didn't recognize it. However, um, I found myself in front of a lot of audiences speaking. So the more I grew in my career, the more speaking opportunities I had, and I fell in love with speaking. And my audiences would always, um, you know, say, oh, my gosh, are you a professional speaker? And I'm thinking, me? No, I'm just standing on stage having a conversation with you. But I loved it. And this topic of bullying and incivility kept rearing its ugly head. And I finally got to the point where I thought, you know, other people are speakers. They make a living off of it. Why not me? So I took a leap of faith, quit a really great job that I love to start my own company as a speaker. And I chose the topic of bullying and incivility because I just couldn't sit back and say, well, that's just the way it is in nursing. It goes against every cell in my body. One of my core values is kindness. And I just thought somebody's got to do something about it. And that's what I've done. And you're the somebody, right? I'm the somebody. It has to be somebody. <laughs> and <laughs> Why I wanna, not me? Yeah. And I want to tell your, your listeners. Well, they are your listeners. <laughs> yeah, I want to tell now. our listeners that you're an amazing speaker. I've seen you speak countless times and you're fun, you're energetic, you, you're almost Thank like you. borderline slapstick sometimes. And you, you <laughs> help pe- you've, tra- lo- t- you've taught me about that too, because I can get pretty silly on stage too. And uh-huh. you've helped me loosen up on stage and you're so engaging and it's, it always feels like you're speaking directly to me. And I think that's the sign of a really good speaker. And, you know, there's lots of laughs, but you also can go really deep. It's not just funny. It's, it's pretty deep stuff that you cover. So you can take an audience or you do take an audience through a wide range of emotions and experiences. And I think that's really important. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious for our listeners to know what what brought bullying into your into your field of vision like did it mm-hmm. something happen to you or did something happen to someone you were fond of like what was the impetus because we all know about it but what what made you think oh my god i really do need to do something yeah it's actually um it, there was a moment Okay, and it's um, a moment that I'm not very proud of. I will tell you that. And then, you know, you mentioned, you know, my speaking and relating to my audience. I think one of one of the things that makes me different than some other speakers is that I'm real. And at least that's what people tell me. And I admit the good, the bad and the ugly. Okay, (laughs) because I'm a work in progress like everyone else. Well, um, I was um, in this corporate position and I was charged with um, developing a new nurse residency program. And that's when they were new. Okay. And I was doing a homegrown 
residency program, and I was doing a lot of focus groups. So I would talk with current student nurses, new nurses, preceptors. I would talk with groups after groups of nurses to find out what they needed to truly transition into professional practice. And Keith, all they wanted to talk about was how badly the other nurses were treating them, how they were bullying them and just horrific behaviors. And I I caught myself saying, well, you know, that's kind of the way it is in nursing. I said those words. Oh, my God. And yes, I know. So like I said, it's, it wasn't a proud moment, but it was as though like I had this mental flip of the switch in my brain. And I, I had, you know, they talk about you have this out-of-body experience. I actually had this out-of-body experience where I kind of turned the mirror back on myself and I heard myself say these words. And in that moment, I remembered how I was treated as a new nurse, how I was treated as a new educator, how I was even treated as a new executive. Hmm. And I thought, whoa, wait a minute. I'm part of the problem. Even though I had seen myself as a target, I'm part of the problem because I've accepted it as the norm. And I said like to myself, in that moment, enough is enough. And that's what triggered this because I have been picked on and um, set up to fail by others in this um, caring and compassionate profession and just made the decision that I wasn't going to just sit by and just say, well, that's just the way it is. So that that's what started it. Wow. And, you know, so many nurses say, well, that's just the way it is. And I've even talked to nurses, and I'm sure you have too, who say, I have this really innovative idea. Like, we could make things so much more efficient on this unit. And people say, well, this is just the way we've always done it. You know, so yep. we're, we're not going to accept any change. And that closed mindedness where people wear blinders, or in England, they say blinkers. That, blinkers. Yeah. <laughs> we wear our blinkers. And it's it's like we we just accept what is and close our minds and our eyes and our ears and to anything that might change the way things are that make us comfortable. And the question I have, well, I have so many, but I'm sure you've done a lot of thinking about this because you've written about it, but I'm curious at this point, like right now in this moment, what do you think is the reason or some of the reasons why nurses do this to themselves. I have my theories, but I really mm-hmm. want to hear yours. Yeah, well, there are a few theories and, you know, uh, and in my experience um, working with, gosh, healthcare organizations, you know, all over the world, there are a couple of primary ones that really stand out. First of all, I'm not sure uh, the listeners know that When you look at all industries and you look at, we'll just use the term disruptive behaviors, Mm -hmm. we see more disruptive behaviors in healthcare than any other industry in the world. Why? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because you would think healthcare, uh, aren't we there to, it's a service industry. We're there to serve people. A lot of people get into nursing and even being a physician because they want to help people. How could we see more disruptive behaviors in healthcare? Mm Mm-hmm. Than any other industry. And if you think about it, healthcare is also the most stressful 
industry in the entire world. Mm -hmm. Life and death situations, the unpredictability of, you know, patient care, your stable patient is the patient who crashes on you. Um, You never know what you're going to get when you walk in the door. And in a moment's notice, you know, you can have the worst day you've ever had. But yet when you walked into work that day, did you know that you were going to have the worst day you've ever had in your life? No, it's the unpredictability. And you know, what happens if we have a patient that crashes? We all go in, we spend however long trying to save that life. What do we do immediately after? Do we sit down and talk about what just happened and make sure we're all okay and maybe go to the bathroom and get something to drink or take some deep breaths? No, we go right to the other patients who we've ignored for the last 45 minutes. So we see such high stress in healthcare. And we haven't learned really good coping mechanisms. And so what do we do? We lash out at each other as a way of dealing with that stress. Because let's face it, none of us are on our best behavior when under a lot of stress. And we don't even have the time today to talk about burnout and how that can really, people show up very differently when they're feeling burned out versus when they're refreshed. So the fact that it's a stressful environment is one of the reasons. Another primary reason, and I'm embarrassed to say this as a woman, but we are a female-dominated industry. And let's face it, women aren't that nice to each other. When you look at incivility in particular, more women report being sort of undermined and set up to fail by other women versus by other men. And even if, you know, you work with some um, female nurses who are collaborative and supportive, in general, we see more of this catty type of queen bee behavior from women. You know, again, it's embarrassing for me to even admit that that's part of the reason, but we have to address this because it's happening. I cannot tell you how many people reach out to me telling me, you know, sharing their examples of being bullied by another female. They get an advanced degree, and so they get tortured. They mm-hmm. get a, uh, their certification, or um, they get an award, and all of a sudden they're excluded, or they're undermined, or is that a word, undermined? There's undermining, <laughs> okay? But yeah. we, we see this, and even though we're not all like this, I know I'm not, um, it, it, we do see this more often. And then probably uh, another uh, reason is just this, you know, perceived power gradient we have. I'm an experienced nurse. I've been here for 50 years and you're inexperienced. So I have this perceived power over you. I'm the manager. So now I have power over you. And we see this, you know, there's this hierarchy in healthcare in particular, physicians, nurses, leaders, support staff. So those are some of the reasons, Keith. Wow, that's a lot to digest, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this episode are going to be nodding their heads or shaking mm-hmm. their heads in disbelief or despair. And one thing I wanted to say from a, I guess you would say a third wave feminist kind of bent, mm-hmm. um, that internalized oppression in a patriarchal society and system probably play a role here. And I'd need to read up more on that, but Mm-hmm. I do think there's internalized oppression here because it is a patriarchal system and a patriarchal society that is changing with the Me Too movement and so many other things happening. And I also see it changing because there are more and more and more female doctors. 
And my hope, my, my sincere hope, is that that power gradient will shift as there's more female doctors. But we'll have to wait and see, and my jury is out, because we have to see what changes over the next few decades as the demographics shift, as healthcare becomes more diverse in terms of the mm -hmm. workforce. And we'll have to see you know, if any of those dynamics play a role here. And you used a word a few minutes ago that I wanted to touch on. You used the word exclusion. Because yes. exclusion isn't like you're not torturing someone, saying terrible things to them, but you're turning your back on them or not inviting them to sit with you at lunch or not going out for beer after your shift, you know? So mm -hmm. I've read a piece of research. I can't quote it. I can't tell you where it was, but I could probably find it if I Googled it, that when you're excluded from something that you want to be involved in or a social circle that you think you're a part of, the same part of the brain lights up that lights up when you're in physical pain. So don't quote me on that, but that is what I've read. And I'd like to actually cement that idea uh -huh. and find out if it's true. But I, I think it was done with functional MRIs. So, you know, MRIs don't lie usually. And That's I think right. being excluded is a painful experience. And that is a form of bullying, isn't it? Absolutely. And yeah. it's so funny because when you mentioned that, I thought, did, did you get this from me? Because I say that very frequently that when people feel socially excluded, the pain center of their brain lights up. And I actually have the reference for that, oh. Keith, so I can, I can right. share it with you. I'm stealing um, your thunder. I heard it in one of your speeches no. and I internalized it and I was like, where did that come no. from? <laughs> no, I, well, you know me. I share everything as we all should do. I know you but, too. You are so right. It, it And we see this show up and it is a form of bullying. Um, it's a covert form of bullying where, mm. again, somebody gets an award and all of a sudden they're left off the invite to do an after work activity or um, everybody's asked what they want for lunch. They're going to order at the, you know, Asian restaurant and, oh, we forgot to ask you. I forgot you were working today. People can really, you know, defend that type of behavior because they, they pull the, I forgot, or, oh, I didn't notice, or, you know, it's just, it's an easy um, type of behavior to defend versus somebody screaming and yelling at you, which is more overt. True. But you're, you're so right, Keith. And it, it's just a type of behavior that I think it hurts relationships. It really does. And it creates mistrust in the department. And I'm telling you right now, when you have broken relationships and mistrust, it affects everything that anyone in that department has to do and ultimately leading to um, its impact on patient care. Absolutely. So, not okay. Yeah. Oh, totally not okay. And um, here's a question. Do, do doctors bully each other? Oh, yes. So okay. there's this hazing that uh, we see in nursing, the, and we see this more from the older experienced nurse being really hard on the new people as part of a rite of passage, and we see the exact same behaviors in among physicians. Uh, I will tell you, my, the work that I've done really started with nurse to nurse. Now it has expanded beyond nursing. And I always say, if you have a human working in your organization, you have a behavioral issue. And this year in particular, I'm doing more and more work with provider 
bullying. So physician to physician, oh. nurse practitioners, yes. Physical therapists, etc. Absolutely. It, it is so pervasive right now that I'm getting inundated with requests for help in looking at physician bullying. Wow. And I know we've seen, or some of us have seen, like that video of the doctor who struck that nurse in the back of the head outside the OR. Yeah. I mean, yep. some of this has been filmed. We've seen it. And we know it's there because people tell the stories. We don't need a video, but video actually corroborates it with, you know, irrefutable mm -hmm. evidence. So, I mean, we know that doctors bully nurses. Now we know doctors bully each other, et cetera, et cetera. Nurses bully each other. Nursing seems to be the place where you've kind of put your stake in the ground. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like with the Healthy Workforce Institute, which we're going to get to after the break, you are really reaching much deeper into the healthcare milieu. And obviously, like you just said, people are pounding on your door to get your help and the help of your team, which we will mm -hmm. also talk about and who we want to highlight in the second half of the episode, because you are the leader in the country for helping organizations do this. You're not just speaking on stage at conferences. You're going no. into large organizations who shall remain nameless, of course, and mm -hmm. you are helping them root out bullying and create positive workplace culture. So after the break, we are going to come back. We're going to talk about more about you, of course, and bullying, and also about the Healthy Workforce Institute and the incredible work you're doing out there transforming healthcare. So stay right with us, and we will be right back. And now we're going to take a pause for the cause for our very generous sponsor, Rasmussen College. They are at R-A-S-M-U-S-S-E-N. Edu. They have a flexible online registered nurse to BSN program. It's designed for working registered nurses who want to earn their BSN while balancing family, work, and school, which sounds pretty awesome to me. The program is accredited by the Commission on Collegiate Nursing Education, and it's offered through something very innovative that I've never heard of before, which is a subscription-based pricing plan, which means you pay one price $4,250 per six-month term, plus your book fees, and you can take as many courses as you want in that six-month period without paying any extra money. They anticipate that most people finish in three terms. They have eight start dates a year for all of you busy nurses who have children and elderly parents and lots of stuff going on in your life. And it's a competency-based education. And with CBE, your learning is prioritized over time and gives you greater control to balance your life and your work and your education. Rasmussen provides innovative student support, a 24-hour call center, tutoring assistance, and help for you in the nursing library and with your learning needs. Learn more by visiting rasmussen.edu, that is R-A-S-M-U-S-S-E-N dot E-D-U, and my sincere gratitude to Rasmussen for their generous support. And we're back to the second half of 
episode 191 of the Nurse Keith Show, and we are here with our first ever interview on the Nurse Keith Show. Can you believe it? You listened, some of you, to 190 episodes with just my voice, and I wanted to give you a break. So you're going to be getting some breaks several times a month, most likely. And today we are joined, of course, by the inimitable and wonderful and amazing and incredible Dr. Renee Thompson, my friend and colleague. So, Renee, welcome back to the second half. Thanks, Keith. Great to be back. Yay. And there is much rejoicing and cheering in the background. (sighs) You can hear them. (laughs) It's like when the Pittsburgh, what is it? The Pittsburgh Steelers play, right? You're in Pittsburgh. Steel City. Yes, I am. It's your place. Steelers, Penguins, Pirates. My husband is a huge Penguins fan. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, when you live in Pittsburgh, you have to, yes, honor and support your sports teams. And genuflect, right? Absolutely, or else they'll kick you out of the city. Right. It's that serious. Bowing down to the penguins. Yes. I can do that. Exactly. Yeah. Anywho, here we are, and we mentioned the Healthy Workforce Institute, which is your relatively new organization. Very cutting edge, innovative organization, I must say. And I'm one of your biggest fans of you personally and of the Healthy Workforce Institute. So, can you tell us why you formed it and what the mission is? Yes. Um, well, I formed um, this institute because I felt that I had to for a couple of reasons. First of all, at the end of 2017, I was so over capacity. I spent more nights in a hotel room than my own, you know, bedroom. I was spending my entire life on an airplane and I knew that it was not sustainable, um, that I was turning people away and that I had a responsibility to help as many organizations as I could because my process was working. Like we were shifting cultures. I mean, we're transforming healthcare organizations. So what do I do? So I actually worked with a business coach and, you know, Keith, I know you're a coach and many nurses have benefited from your wisdom. I cannot, cannot recommend getting a coach um, more so than because of my own experiences and always having a coach to guide me and help me. So if you're not right now utilizing a coach to help you in your career, even in your personal life, I highly recommend it. So I hired a business coach. And one of the first things she said to me is, honey, you've gone beyond Renee Thompson as a personality company. You need to be an institute because as an institute, you can serve more people. So that's what we did. We um, launched the Healthy Workforce Institute in January of 2018. And our mission is really to change the face of healthcare, is to eradicate bullying and incivility in healthcare organizations so that we can cultivate and sustain a professional, respectful, nurturing, and supportive workforce culture. And so now as an institute, I've brought in other experts and topics that are complementary to bullying and incivility. For example, I have somebody who's an expert in conflict resolution and emotional intelligence. I just brought somebody on to my team who's an expert in dealing with toxic providers. So we were talking earlier before the break about physician-to-physician bullying. So he's on my team. And also I have somebody who does some of my work, um, bullying and incivility, incivility, and her focus is on employees because my sweet spot as I've grown in my knowledge and expertise 
is really supporting those frontline leaders Mm -hmm. and how to set behavioral expectations and hold people accountable for behavior. And so, yeah, we're super excited. We have a lot of different services. We have an online academy that allows a virtual um, learning capability. We're actually adding leadership coaching. One of my um, faculty is a licensed therapist, and she does leadership coaching. We'll be adding that as a service within the next couple of weeks. And and you know what, Keith, I still do speaking. <laughs> so uh-huh. I'm like, and I do a lot of consulting now. Most of my work is done through consulting, but I'm still a speaker, and I still do a lot of speaking. And you do it very well. And well, I thank you. I know you've spoken in Dubai. You've spoken all over the United States. Have you been mm-hmm. to Canada yet? Have they tapped? I you? have. Yep. Yeah. Yep, I've done some work in Canada. And Mm -hmm. are you getting any interest from Australia or New Zealand? It's really interesting. I have had so many people reach out to me from those two countries Mm -hmm. saying, we have such a big problem here. I haven't done an outbound sort of campaign to say, I'm here, I can help you. I haven't yet, but it is on on my sort of probably the end of 2019 list to take a look at what can I do to offer support to those two countries because they're in, they are in serious need, Absolutely. serious need for help. Um, I have been in conversation with some folks um, in the UK for the last, gosh, I think six years, and we are inching our way towards maybe even creating a, an international task force to take a look at bullying and civility in healthcare. Hmm. So there are some things happening internationally. I'm just not pursuing them as much right now because I've got my hands full here in the United States. Absolutely. And, you know, for the last year or so, I've been writing for an Australian nursing website called Osmed, A-U-S-M-E-D, and their corporate website as well, Osmed Corporate. And the need is there. Like they, they're new to coaching, just like in Europe, coaching is... I'm not going to say they're behind the times, but coaching is new there. And Mm -hmm. they're just starting to catch wind of what this thing is. And I know England is probably in that same boat, but they're They seem to be coming along as well. And I think the audiences are there, but you can only do so much. And I think an international coalition or of some kind is probably Mm -hmm. a really good idea because global situations, global conditions need to be tackled by global organizations or what we could say, maybe a coalition of organizations, because you you may find some partners in those countries who maybe don't do exactly what you do, because I Mm -hmm. think what you do is pretty unique. However, I think there's a lot of room for growth here. And, you know, who knows, maybe the WHO or someone's going to also catch wind of this and say, hey, this is almost like a public health problem within the healthcare healthcare industry, right? I mean, Yeah, you're so right. If you think about bullying and you think about all these aberrant behaviors, I mean, tell us really briefly, or you don't have to be that brief. Uh, Tell (laughs) us what's the impact on patient care and outcomes and also the financial bottom line? Well, I'm always looking at the latest research and looking at statistics. And this one that I've been using recently really spells it out. There was a study that was done, a pretty large study. 71% of all physicians and nurses have linked incivility to medical error. 20% of them said it led to a patient's death. 
If you look at physicians, just physicians, 99% of them in this one study said that bad behavior had a negative impact on patient outcomes. And, you know, I, I use this sort of hypothetical situation a lot of times, especially if I'm speaking to a group of physicians. But I'll say, if you were about to make a mistake, would you want somebody to call you on it or stay silent because they were afraid of confronting you? And what if that mistake happened to your mother? or your wife, or your, your, your husband. So the way we treat each other is just as important as the care that we provide. And now, you know, we have so many studies that show this. It's actually kind of ridiculous that we have so many studies. The Joint Commission does studies, and they look at the negative impact that bullying and instability have on patient safety and patient outcomes. We have studies happening all over the world. And, you know, organizations like the the Joint Commission are now mandating, they're making it a requirement that healthcare organizations have to do something about it. I'm sure your listeners all know what magnet, being a magnet designated hospital means. Mm-hmm. Magnet has now added a standard that all healthcare organizations who want to achieve magnet, they have to meet the standard. It's EP15EO. Okay. That's the actual standard. Got it. Where they have to address <laughs> workplace bullying, incivility, and violence. Um, so we're finally starting, bullying and incivility are finally starting to get the attention on how it is exactly what you said, patient safety, you know, public safety concern, um, because we know that it impacts patients. And, you know, that doesn't even, you know, speak to the financial impact, as you had mentioned, Keith, Mm -hmm. you know, we're losing, actually hemorrhaging really great nurses to this problem. And, you know, studies show that the cost of replacing one nurse can be anywhere from about 50 to $88,000. You know, you multiply that by, look at your turnover rate. It's like cha-ching, cha-ching. So, yeah, there's definitely a negative impact, especially when these behaviors go unaddressed, when we ignore them because, well, they've been here for a really long time. They're really good at what they do or they bring the organization in a lot of money. So we do a workaround or we rationalize or justify their behavior. Right. We turn a blind eye. Like you have a physician who's abusive to the nurses and other people around him or her and they are an income generator. They are a cost center, right? Mm-hmm. So if you if that's the right term. And so we can't get rid of that physician. We can't take him to task or her to task because we're going to lose that $2 million a year that we bring in. But a nurse, even though we ignore nurse bullies and we let the queen bullies keep going and going because they tend to be really good nurses, actually, in many cases, right? They mm-hmm. tend to be very efficient and experienced. However... Nurses don't actually create income for a health organization per se. You right. know, we're not, our work is not monetized, so to speak. So that is another conundrum in there. And that's a whole nother conversation. But I just wanted to point out there's some differences between medical providers and nurses in terms of the income they generate. However, I mean, when I talk to lay people and I mention things like bullying in healthcare or what we call lateral or horizontal violence between nurses, for instance, people cannot believe it. They said, oh, no way. Mm-hmm. Nurses are like the nicest people I've ever known. That's not possible. <laughs> and if the WHO or the magnet folks or whoever come out with a campaign and say, hey, this is a public health issue and they can quote 
the statistics that you just rattled off that are frightening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Patients could be up in arms and say, hey, wait a second. <laughs> you know, when I go to the hospital, I want to make sure that the nurses are actually being kind to each other and helpful to each other because that's going to impact how I'm treated as a patient. Absolutely. And um, you're right. I think lay people are starting to discover our dirty little secret in healthcare. And it's funny, I wrote my first book on bullying and incivility back in 2012. And I hired a writing coach because I'm a good writer. I am not a great writer like you are, Keith. Okay. But I'm a good writer and I was smart. So I hired her to help me with this. And when I told her what I wanted to write this book about, she actually thought I was kidding. She actually thought it was a comedy. And she said to me, well, I don't do comedy books. And I'm like, what? Oh, this is no comedy. She had no idea. She, yeah, she was a, she's a, a book publisher. She had no idea that nurses could be so caring to their patients, yet so cruel to each other. She'd watched too uh, much Nurse Jackie. I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Just unbelievable, but she had no idea. Now, Renee, uh, pardon me, but is that book, Do No Harm, Applies to Nurses Too? Is that the Mm -hmm. book? Yeah, it's on my shelf right in front of me. So that was the first one. Right. I have all your books, but that- that one's sitting right here next to Brittany Wilson's The Nerdy Nurse's yeah. Guide to, to Oh my to gosh, is it the blog, the technology one? Yeah, it's the it's technology so awesome. one, yeah. Brittany's great. She Brittany's is. great. She is. And she, she just is. had a baby. Oh my God, the little oh. girl's so cute. Oh my God, I got to get her a dress and send her a card. Yes, anyway. Was so cute. I'm um, old school. I like to send cards in the mail. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. But um, I'm actually writing another book right now on the topic of bullying and incivility, and it's going to be specifically designed for frontline leaders um, to help them address the disruptive behaviors of their employees because a lot of the nurses who reach out to me, they all tell me the same thing. My boss isn't doing anything about this. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's because the boss doesn't know how to address it. And that's where I come in. So this book is designed for them, which ultimately will help every single nurse on the planet um, who has to deal with a, a disruptive coworker? Excellent, and I'll write a blurb or a review or both for you if you need me to. Thank you. Of, of course. course, of course. Thank so, you. Renee, I know we have to go shortly. We talked about your team. We talked about the Healthy Workforce Institute, which is healthyworkforceinstitute.com, right? Yes. But not the just Healthy Workforce no. Institute dot yep. com. There'll be a link in the show notes. There'll be a. There'll be photos of Renee. They'll hopefully be the logo of the Healthy Workforce Institute and some other information where you can find Renee on social media, find her books, buy her stuff, get your administrators and executives to hire her to come to your Mm -hmm. facility to do what she does with her amazing team, some of whom I know, but most of whom I don't know. Mm -hmm. And you have a bachelor's in nursing, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a master's MSN in education, Yes. Yeah. And then what's your doctoral degree? I have a DMP in leadership and administration. Leadership and administration. And did you yep. did you do a dissertation or whatever on bullying and aberrant behavior? I did. Yeah, really? it was the topic. I'm so surprised. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, shocking, I know. Yeah. Yes. That, that was the focus. And I actually focused on helping senior nursing students protect and bully-proof themselves before they started their first job. So I really focused on that novice nurse who's coming into a professional environment, knowing Mm -hmm. that sometimes they get eaten alive 
by you know, some of the more experienced staff. Right. That would be another conversation that we're going to have mm-hmm. to have another time. But can you give us your top three tips for bullyproofing yourself and not being a target? Top three tips. Yeah. Top three tips is, um, especially if you're new and you're coming into an organization that you're concerned, you may find yourself a target, is first of all, address any incidents of disruptive behaviors. If somebody says something really rude to you or somebody um, is cruel to you, doesn't take report from you, I use and teach people a naming technique. You know, you just rolled your eyes at me. You just turned your back to me. You just called me an idiot. You just called me a baby nurse. Mm. So because what happens, Keith, is when we ignore low-level disruptive behaviors, they always escalate. So address any incidents of disruptive behavior it's not okay the way you're talking to me right now, okay? The other thing is because we know a lot of um, new people when they come in, they may be nervous, they may be shy, they may appear to be a little passive. Sometimes that makes you an easy target. And so walk in with your shoulders back, your head held high. Now, there is a fine line between being confident or looking confident and acting arrogant. Yes. That's not what I'm suggesting, okay? True. Because a lot of experienced nurses, they complain that the new nurses are coming in thinking they know all that, you know, and that they're they're great. And there's that little bit of arrogance. However, some bullies look for people who are passive as people who they want to target. So you don't want to appear that way. And I will tell you, bottom line, and this really goes for anybody who's listening, the best way I really think to um, address disruptive behaviors and, you know, eliminate bullying and civility is for each one of us to make sure that we show up in a way that supports professionalism, respect, being nurturing and supportive to each other. So as you enter into the workforce, pay attention how you show up. Make sure that you're building relationships with people and that you're demonstrating kindness and you're going out of your way to help people and be open to learning and open to feedback. It always starts with you. Well said. Well said. Thank you so much. Now, before we sign off and I say goodbye and you say goodbye, what are a couple things that make you happiest in your life? I think I know what some of those are. There's a really small one. What makes you happiest, Renee? Yes, little Miss Olivia Lauren Hicks, my brand new grandbaby who will be six months old now next week. She is the biggest joy in my entire life. I've never experienced this much joy, you know, all wrapped up into this little adorable package. So definitely my granddaughter and, and I have two daughters spending time with my friends and family. So I love to entertain and I love to have my friends come over and we love to cook together. I like really good wine. Of course, my husband, Ashley is, um, I always say he's a freak of nature. I've never (laughs) met anybody who's like, he's like the nicest person Mm -hmm. on this earth. I've never seen this man angry or he's never said an unkind word to me. I keep saying he must be a psycho killer and then I'm going to find the dead bodies buried somewhere because nobody's this nice, but he, he really is. And he brings me great joy. And then, you know, I will tell you, one of my other greatest joys is knowing that I'm doing everything I can to serve others, to help other people who are struggling. When I hear back from somebody who says what I what they learned from me, what they heard from me, they went and took action on it and it transformed their life. Mm -hmm. 
Ah, uh, it um, it's humbling, but it is a, a joy none like I've ever experienced. Oh, lovely. That is beautiful. That's an example of servant leadership if I've ever heard one. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah I was meant to do this work, meant to serve. Mm-hmm. Renee, you were so wonderful. I can't wait to see you again. It'll probably be at the NNBA, the National Nurses and Business Association, in September, unless yeah. we figure out how to see each other sooner. But we'll we'll wait and see. And before you and I say goodbye to everyone listening, I just want to tell everyone out there, I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this interview with Dr. Renee Thompson. And I want you to take inspired action every day in the interest of your professional satisfaction and development and potentially doing the work that Renee is suggesting here and maybe bringing the Healthy Workforce Institute right to your door. The Nurse Keith Show is edited and produced by Tim Hollowell and his team at thepodcastinggroup.com. Social media and promotion are capably handled by Mark Cappiespeason. I want you to stay positive, care for yourself and others, take inspired action every day, and tune in again as we explore how to take your life and your career to the next level. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, and keep in touch. Adios from me here in Santa Fe. And Renee, adios from you in... Pittsburgh! Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, home of the Penguins. <laughs> Renee, thank you so much. I love you. Thank and you, right this has been you. wonderful. So adios for now, and see you next time.